You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one podcast for all things communication, advertising, and marketing. I'm your host, Ted Lau, award-winning agency owner, podcaster, and family guy. Today on our show, we have Tahir Ahmad, who is a brand strategist focused on bettering the relationship between people and brands. In his role as Chief Strategy Officer at Leo Burnett Canada, Tahir is helping to lead the charge on the creative consultancy's humankind approach to building and growing brands. Core to this is an inherent focus on deeply understanding people and their needs, fears, motivations, hopes, and dreams. In support of this mission, Tahir spearheaded the first annual humankind study released by Leo Burnett Canada in January of 2022. The study revealed insight into the key concerns, issues, and problems keeping Canadians up at night and has informed a Leo Burnett framework to help brands solve them. To hear, welcome. Hey, Ted. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Thanks for coming on our show. So, I mean, like, things keeping Canadians up at night. If you're in Ottawa, you might be hearing some, some honking. But other than yeah. that, what, what other things are keeping Canadians up at night? Yeah, no, great question. Um, I mean, a whole a whole range of things, that's for sure. And I mean, I, I imagine Ted, you and myself are experiencing quite a bit of them. So, and, and many of your listeners as well. I mean, uh, what we set out to do with this study, as you can imagine, is is a bit of an endeavor to try and boil the ocean from all the different you know concerns and issues that people are having to say. Okay, given what we're living through, you know, given the change that people are experiencing. You know their needs have changed dramatically overnight you know and we wanted to better understand what people are struggling with as they head into a new year and albeit a, a year that's still you know full of uncertainty and unfamiliarity i mean i don't think we predicted when we first started this study uh in early 2021 you know that it would be still in the throes of lockdown I, you know and we might get to this in a, as a later question but you know the the impetus of this study was you know, we thought we'd be looking at what are the needs and struggles and barriers people have as it pertains to recovery and putting the pandemic behind them, you know, let alone, you know, back into another lockdown haven't emerged as of yet. And so, you know, again, what, what are we what are we faced with and what's keeping us up at night? And, you know, not surprisingly, I know we did a little bit of a pre intro before this first time you and I are meeting, but you have a young daughter as well. I have two boys mm -hmm. and you know, one of the things that people are really struggling with is certainly as parents is the unknown and, and the fact that this, as, as they liken it, has been traumatic and you know, it will continue to be. And, you know, what we heard loud and clear from parents is that the, the full effect of what their children are living through is yet to be determined. And I think that's what concerns parents the most. Uh, and the fact that, you know, 61% of parents are worried that their children may have been more emotionally impacted by the pandemic than they're letting on, you know, suggests that parents really feel as though that they haven't necessarily been there for their, for their kids in a way that's really needed and, and, and warranted for them to be able to, to work through something like this. And I think about my own kids, you know, I have a seven-year-old and an 11-year-old. Well, this pandemic, I mean, this is the part that really gets me. When you think about when this first started, you know, my son would have been five. And when you think about yourself and your own childhood, what do you remember before five? 
other than you know maybe a bad fall and he-man cartoons i don't know yeah exactly you don't remember a lot you think you do until you really start to try and you know recall some of those memories so for him all he remembers is wearing masks shut down of schools missing his birthday party you know so there's so many things milestone events in his life that and and even just an overall burden that he is carrying that my wife and i uh, and and obviously over 60 percent of those we surveyed as parents you know are really concerned that i have no idea the the real true impact that this this traumatic event has had and i won't know this until probably when they're much older in life so you know that was one big one for us um you know another one that i'll, I'll touch upon ted is the fact that, you know, uh, over or actually not over exactly 50 percent, which is an interesting sort of even split down the middle. But that 50 percent of, of those we, we, we heard from are concerned that their life is being wasted doing something that doesn't make them happy. And, you know, to me, the key words that pop there are the notion of wasted. And, you know, the fact that this pandemic uh, has really caused people to stop and uh, really, you know, more intentionally uh, look at the life they're living and analyze it and evaluate it to say, is this really the life that I wanted to live or is this the life I want to continue to live? And so, you know, I think that's, again, it's not, you can't uh, sort of decouple that from what we're living through, but it certainly suggests that this pandemic is causing people to ask questions of themselves that will change the course of their life well beyond once this is hopefully behind us. Well, I think that's, you know, very insightful. And I think just anecdotally talking to friends and family, you know, I think we all hear a lot of the stuff that resonates in this study. You know, maybe it's just my glass half full type of personality and and maybe just reared from an immigrant family where my dad's like, you know, Ted, the word crisis in Chinese is opportunity and danger. And it combined. That's what it means. The word crisis, but but it's it's you're laughing, but you know when I hear that, especially on the fifty percent side where people are like, "Am I wasting my life? Is this really what I want to do?" Now, you know, I I am an entrepreneur, and I had that kind of moment of crisis very 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 early on in my career mm-hmm. uh, when I was a co-op student. You know, working for I was working for the CRTC, um, and so yeah. I was just I was taking complaints, and people are like you know, oh, someone's at the F word on the radio and I'm just taking these complaints and I hated that job, yeah. right? And right, I'm like, right. is this, I was like 19 or 20. I'm like, is this really what I want to do for the rest of my life? But that moment actually was a landmark moment in my life, a watershed moment where it gave me the, I don't know, fear, courage, whatever you want to call it, to pursue dreams. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people maybe prior to the pandemic didn't actually, you know, we're so busy just, doing the nine to five, paying our taxes, feeding the kids, whatever it is that a lot of us kind of get swept into life and just forget about ourselves. And maybe this was a good reset. A lot of people called it the great resignation, but you know, maybe it's the reset because I have, you know, I experienced in my shop. So I run an agency called ballistic arts here um, on the West coast. Mm -hmm. And I had a number of, of people, you know, decide to leave not just my agency, but the industry. I have one, you know, fellow who worked with me and, you know, love him to death. Everything was great, but he had a total crisis moment. He realized he didn't want to actually, you know, be work in front of a computer. And I'm like, dude, we, we run and we work at an agency. Like you work in an agency, you kind of like that's, and he's like, I know. And I actually want to work with my hands and I want to build things. And 
So I helped him and coached him through, okay, well, how would you build a career in in renovations? You know, like Mm. that's what he wanted to do. And so slowly but surely, I kind of like showed him a way on how to get him to, to move there. So I would imagine this study, you know, you're, you're doing this study for not just for, for shits and giggles. Can I say this? I don't know. The producer might, <laughs> might bleep me out, but you're doing it for something. So what was the idea behind it? What do you, what were you trying to not just get out of it, but, but hopefully that Canadians can learn from? Yeah, no, great question. And if I can just touch upon something you just said before I answer that question, but yeah, interestingly, like how I look at this and I, I wasn't the, the one to, to coin this, this phrase, but you know, rather than the great resignation, it really does feel like the great realization, you know, and, and the sense that the real contemplation as to, you know, what is fulfillment in my life? And, you know, I think for a lot of us, to your point, there there was the autopilot, there is the acceptance of the resignation, not in, in the sense of leaving my job, but the resignation, this is what life is, this is what adult life is, it comes with responsibilities, you work, you follow your path, it's very linear. And I think, you know, what we're seeing now and certainly what I'm hearing from from our teams as well and at times feeling myself is, oh, maybe there is a less direct path. Maybe maybe there's another chapter that I hadn't even considered, you know. Uh, And, you know, again, like obviously some of this is true mental health. You know, some of this is is real burnout, which we we cover in the study as well. you know, but at, at the same time, when you're seeing people moving out of cities, you know, when you're seeing people, to your point, changing careers altogether, like not like leaving industries after 20 years to start something brand new, and not because it's just a whim, but because they truly want to find fulfillment in other ways. I mean, again, that just speaks to the longevity of this, right? Those people aren't moving back. My mentor at Publicis moved out west to live in his West Coast home, which previous to that he had seen maybe for three weeks of the year for 15 years. So there are, you know, there are dominoes that are falling in people's lives that, you know, cannot be ignored. And again, are great opportunities for brands. To bring it back to your last question, humankind. So what is humankind? I mean, you know, in terms of the name, is it a play on something? So humankind is Leo Burnett's philosophy and approach to building and growing brands. You know, essentially at the core of humankind is people. And so, you know, our, our, our purpose at Leo Burnett Canada is to better the relationship between people and brands. And you know, I'm sure as somebody who's in the industry, Ted, and for many of your listeners who clearly have some interest in this industry, probably doesn't come as a huge shock that, you know, that people aren't necessarily uh, valuing their relationship with brands as much as they used to. And, you know, there's a there's a good study out there that shows that that percentage of people that wouldn't care if brands disappeared continues to go up, which, you know, anytime you share a stat like that within our industry, it, it you know, kind of just lights a fire under us to say, why is that? You know, and, and what is it the brands aren't figuring out um, that means that people are just so, uh, uh, you know, that they are somewhat disposable in people's lives, for lack of a better term. And so, you know, again, given everything we talked about and the upheaval and the change and the way that people were, uh, you know, the way that people were engaging with brands in the beginning of this pandemic, I'm sure you can even think and your, and your listeners can think about brands that they suddenly didn't, you know, really pay attention to or now suddenly like overnight, you know, saviors in, in a way or or what accelerated as a result of the pandemic in terms of I've never really been much of an online shopper. I only when I want to and need to. And it became, you know, suddenly, you know, we had Amazon and 
purolator and can of post showing up at our door every two days, you know, and part of that's distraction and part of that's just the, 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 the need. Um, and so it just felt like at the time, early 2021, to really live our purpose and to put our humankind approach into practice rather than just the ongoing research that we put in the field to help our, our client partners or to inform us on particular uh, assignments, we wanted to field something of a scale, you know, that we could really invest in over time and have this become an annual study that hopefully will really illuminate what Canadians are going through and, and ways that brands can help solve those problems and alleviate those concerns. Because again, if at the core of what we do is, is about understanding people and their behavior and their needs and building brands that they're and therefore can solve those problems and needs and then therefore matter in their lives, we needed to do something like this at this t- at this stage of where we all are in, in our lives. I think it's a very good point that you bring up, and it is something that it is a turning point for a lot of us, uh, not only in the industry, but I think just Canadians and, and humans at large. Now, data from you know one of my previous guests, Hanson Locke from uh, Lux Insights, said you know data is is only as good as you know the insights that you you get out of it. Mm. So. What insights were you able to pull from it? So great that you got data, but you know, and maybe I'm asking you for some free consulting here because you know maybe you just tell this to your clients. But you know, hey, we're on Marketing News Canada, so maybe you'll you'll get a client out of this. But uh, you know, right. you know, is there is there any insights that you you garnered from it? I mean, yeah, yes, tremendous amount of insights. I think also just a tremendous amount of opportunities or, or or potential ways for brands to think about, you know, how to change their approach or or how they involve people in their positioning, you know, or how they put purpose more at the core of their of their organization to you know to to put the needs of people first and foremost. So, you know, I, I think specifically, I mean, you know, insight from a Let's start from the just the, the, the you know the big stat from the beginning that I think just you know really sheds light on the fact that why is it that people have such a low expectation of brands, and you know it, again the twenty percent of people actually expect you know brands to solve their problems, uh, you know I kind of liken it to this notion of it's it's like when you move, and I don't know if you've moved Ted but you can I've probably, moved a few times yeah I hate moving yeah, so I, I don't come along for me on this analogy My I will I will. But they're not usually that, that bang on. But I kind of look at it as, you know, it's like when you ask your friends to help you move. You, you hope they will. <laughs> but the expectation that the five that you called will show up is quite low. Uh-huh. And new, normally the two will show up and those are usually like your really close friends. And the other three were just like, yeah, I said I was going to help you, but I actually didn't really mean it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's kind of where we are with people in terms of like the insight that, you know, clearly from what we heard from people is their hands are up and they're saying, we need help. You know, we, we don't know how to figure this out. We've never been in a place like this before. The government and the reelected government doesn't instill confidence in us. You know, we're open to solutions, to partnering, to better ways forward, more human ways forward. That said, we actually don't expect brands to step up. And the reason for that you know, is because we just don't think the brands get us. We don't think brands really have a clear understanding of what what ails us, what keeps us up at night, what problems, what barriers are in our lives that are preventing us from living the life we want to live. And so therefore, 
great if you show up, but we don't expect you to because, you know, you haven't really done your homework or you don't really, you know, you're not really that, you haven't really figured out what it is that you can do for me. And so, you know, I, I, that for us was the big, like, wow, obviously as a brand builder, a lot of work to do, big Delta to close there, but also a huge opportunity for brands to, you know, step into that void that's, that's being left by these shifts, you know, cultural shifts, governmental shifts and so on. So, um, you know, and I think what we also heard as an insight from people, and this perhaps is more universal across all of the, all of the, we have eight problem area themes that we distilled eight to nine months of research down into, um, which as you can imagine is again, a bit of a like boiling the ocean into what's your problem to, okay, it seems as though, you know, from the almost over 4,600 people we heard from, there seems to be core themes here that we want to unpack. Um, but the, you know, one thing that said I would share across the board is this notion of progress over perfection. And, you know, again, a very overused term in certainly the, you know, the marketing and the, in the consulting world. Um, but it really was true when it, when it came to, you know, themes like the environment, the plight of the environment, or even parenting or social addiction, there was this almost like this, um, what would you say a bit of a tug of war between, I don't, my life has already been so unbelievably disrupted and turned upside down. I'm not prepared to make, you know, such 180 changes in my life that it will impact how I live altogether. But I do want to understand what are some of the smaller things I can start doing to make a positive impact. And hopefully over time, those will add up. And so, you know, we heard that in the, in the, when, as it pertains to the environment, you know, and that if you think about it, Again, and I know you, Ted, you're asking about insights, but sometimes I find I, I want to set up the stat to then maybe share some of the insight again. But, you know, I think the one what the stat as it relates to the environment that causes me a little bit of concern, but again, fills me with hope is that I believe it was around 55 percent of people feel like the, the earth is past the point of saving. And so, you know, obviously there's a stat right there that kind of feels very bleak. You know, what's the point? But then again, as you dig a bit deeper and you probe with people, and which we did as one of one phase, which was qualitative research, you know, you start to understand that it's because I don't understand what small things I can do to start making a bigger impact. Because I get that at the end of the day, I'm only, you know, a very small minnow in this massive pond. But help me understand which brands are, are, are you know, be more transparent in what you are doing as a brand so I can perhaps make a decision to buy you over brand B or give me a solution that I can then, you know, use at home, which might be a small shift in my behavior. But, you know, it, again, it might make me feel as though I'm doing something that will help. Um, and so, you know, the small, the small steps, big impact, hopefully over time was one. Um, and the, another one, which I, I think is just interesting to note, um, and, and it, you know, it really came, it pertained to the community and the strength of the community. And, you know, we talked initially before we went on air, Ted, around what's happening in Ottawa. And, you know, you, you, you went into this, this study thinking, and again, I'm not, I'm not naive. You know, I do read the news. I do stay connected culturally and, and, and social, but you know, initially that first year of, of the pandemic, there was quite a bit about how much we're in this together. And, you know, you, you had the signs hanging from the windows and you had the banging of the pots and all that was fantastic. But below the surface, 
you can see that there was there the there's the division is simmering and you know the the disparity in how we our values and and you know so the division amongst how we you know view different topics and you know obviously that's you know bubbling over right now in many aspects and many areas but um, you know, certainly I, what was interesting was that coming out of this pandemic, people are actually concerned that their community is more divided than ever before. And the, the concerns around discrimination and racism, you know, and divisiveness have really crept into people's, to people's minds. And, and this concern that what I'm coming out to is actually worse than it was before we went into all of this. And so, you know, there is a real sense, again, from an insight perspective around we're doing some of this great work with some of our client partners is how do we make sure that we don't just build back to what was, you know, but there's an opportunity here to really reset, control, delete this and, you know, bring us back to something better. And, you know, and so, again, as we think about some of the clients that we work on, better sometimes needs to acknowledge that what was there before was broken. Mm-hmm. And, and that's okay, because there's no point just saying, well, at least normalcy is a, is a positive. Yes, that is. That's light at the end of the tunnel. But this is an opportunity to do better than that. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Now, the things that you're talking about, you know, are very aspirational. And so a couple of thoughts I had was, was one, like, how do you, how do you overcome that skepticism, right? Of a consumer that's like, well, great. You know, you're trying to, ultimately, I don't expect a brand to save the universe or the world or whatever, because ultimately you're trying to sell me a good or a product or a service. Right. And I think there's, there's that. And also like, oh, you take my data and that kind of stuff. So there's, there's this skepticism. And then the other thing is, you know, I also, you know, obviously, you know, being in the industry, I pay attention to a lot of the stuff, you know, you, you see the bell Canada, you know, let's talk campaign, which they support mental health. And I think that's, that's, um, something that that's near and dear to my heart. Um, I'm actually choosing to, I'm looking into, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be buying a, a Volvo EV. Uh, I grew up with Volvos. My parents were Volvos, you know, safe car, all this kind of stuff. And there was this commercial that I saw on Reddit, um, 
an ad and it was, uh, you know, just at first I was like, oh, it's Volvo crashing cars. I'm going to watch that. And then uh, it panned. They go up to the, the Arctic and they drop this car from like really, really high up. And then as they're about to drop the car, they shift to like a glacier, you know, melting. Like, oh, and this is the biggest thing. The safety is, you know, protecting climate and EV and all this kind of, you know, I understand. Still an ad, all that kind of stuff. But it did kind of move me to go, hey, this is this is kind of cool. Yeah, um, of but there's a strategic element in that, right? So, like, for a company to be able to pivot like that, a lot of dollars, a lot of resource, a lot of time. So how do you expect when you're, you know, talking to one of your clients going, hey, you need to do this. Our study says this, these, these are the insights. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't ex- like to, to, was it turning a tanker takes, you know, a lot of energy. So mm-hmm. I guess, how do you overcome the skepticism? How do you overcome the, the strategic leth- lethargy, I guess? Yeah, right. Yeah. And the heavy lifting, frankly, mm. to your point. Yeah. I mean, we, <clears throat> so it's a great question. I mean, the great news is, is there's a lot of brands that have already been on this journey. So, you know, what I want to make, you know, clear first and foremost is this study and as we framed it up, this opportunity uh, should not, does not uh, suggest that there aren't brands that have already been, you know, putting people and purpose at the core of their offering and, you know, and really investing in their ESG commitments mm-hmm. and initiatives. and. Um, and, and many of our, our client partners, you know, have, have we've been working with them, you know, as a consultancy in terms of shifting from a product led to a purpose led organization and everything that's involved to do that. I mean, we we as as part of humankind, you know, uh, are advocates for purpose, brand purpose, um, because it puts people at first and foremost at the core of, of what your brand stands for, not product. And, you know, it's really about why you exist, not why you sell. Hmm. Uh, in people's lives and so you know not to go down the whole i know purpose also has its it's it's you know there's there's hot debate over purpose it has skeptics as well it's not why we're here today but you know again if you just think of purpose as people first then you know i think there's there's merit in it absolutely um you know but they so there are many of our client partners that are doing this and the truth of the matter is esg just takes time you know, and so what we're starting to see is their commitments, their their sort of shifts in, in capital investment and energy and changes in values and so on and so forth, more sustainable practices, you know, more sustainable, environmentally friendly investments and so on. All of that is happening. It's going to have a huge impact and it's going to hopefully for the right reasons change how people live. That said, you know, what we're noting in this study is there's potentially some, I don't want to call them quick wins. But, you know, there's opportunities to help people move forward uh, in more human ways now. And, and so what we've done uh, as part of this study is we are now putting together a formal framework, framework, excuse me. Um, and at, at the moment, it's called Think Forward. And essentially, it's taking the best of everything that Leo Burnett offers. So every, from our design thinking uh, expertise, our brand building expertise, and our creative expertise, bringing it together to provide our clients with a framework that will enable them to, through the understand and identifying of which problem areas their brand is best suited to solve, what are creative and innovative ways of solving them that, again, can be something more 
uh, expedited in the short term versus the long term to then give brands an opportunity to more meaningfully solve these problems for people. So I know that might have sounded a bit gargly goopy. Um, you know, I think in its core, it's about saying if we're all about, um, you know, solving business problems by creating human value through creativity, again, creativity is at the core of us as a creative consultancy, then beyond advertising, you know, beyond communications, what are the other ways that brands can, can, you know, sort of meaningfully fit into people's lives? Um, and it's all about starting with these problems and identifying ways that brands can solve them. And so that could be a product, that could be an experience, that can be a service. Um, and so we're really excited about that aspect of, of what we're launching along with this study, which will <clears throat> hopefully open up new ways for brands to engage with their consumers, new ways for brands to reach new consumers, um, which would provide them with new revenue streams, you know, new categories to enter into, um, and, and as a result, obviously grow their brand. And so, you know, I, I, I'm always so mindful of in, in conversations like this, which I love and with people like you, you know, not to throw out so many things like there's the humankind and there's purpose and this and that. But, you know, the, it, it really is about saying, you know, profitability, you know, it can still still and as a result actually outperforms as a result of you know, a, a commitment to, um, you know, environment and people's needs and people's mental health and so on. And so you know, there's a quote from Leo, which Burnett himself from however many years ago that says, what helps people helps business. And, you know, we truly believe in that. So again, what we're hopeful for is this and really excited by is this new framework approach for what will help enable brands to do exactly that. That's, that's, you know, I think words of wisdom, you know, shared by one of the, uh, the godfathers, the madmen of, of our, of our industry. But, you yeah. know, um, yeah. I kind of wanted to learn a little bit about, about to hear because, you know, uh, to get to become chief strategy officer, you've, you've probably tracked a bit of road, you know, in your journey to, to get to where you are. And, you know, while being in a creative agency, you know, you're obviously very strategic being in that role. So, yeah. How do you, how, you know, did you wake up when you're a kid? Like, ah, oh, I'm going to do, this is what I want to do. Or like, how, what was your journey? How did you get to where you are? Any, any tips for, um, the youngins that are listening on, on this call? Yeah. I mean, I'm mindful of, of not boring everyone with my journey, given it's a bit, it's, it took some twists and turns. I've been told that I have a voice that is very soothing or, or also that I put people to sleep. So, um, perhaps you're good for I, bedtime then. With your kids. I was going to say, if anyone has sleep issues, uh, perhaps this is the episode that you should listen to. Uh, so I, I, I mean, the short version of this is I, I came into where I am a bit unconventionally. Um, I kind of fell into the agency side of things. I wasn't somebody that came out of university thinking I wanted to get into the ad business. You know, I had a Bachelor of Commerce. I, you know, was sort of... Uh, trying a little bit of banking. I thought maybe I'd get into marketing. You know, I spent some time interning at Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. And, you know, I was, needless to say, I was somebody who, who bloomed a bit later because um, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do in my 20s. And, you know, I, I kind of did live by the, 
the life philosophy that your 20s are for figuring your stuff out and along the way making some mistakes, having some fun, trying something like this, trying something like that. Uh, but by 30, you know, uh, figure your you know what out. You know, it's kind of like what I was living by and, and it seemed to actually follow that exact same time frame and that my 20s sort of ended up steering me towards where I, you know, the, the ad industry sort of very serendipitously, I, I was, I was, I fell into a role, uh, at a small digital boutique agency, um, which kind of then just was the beginning. And so, uh, you know, I, as I said, I fell into the hottest, uh, vertical basically at the time, which was digital. So that was, you know, very fortunate for me. So I cut my teeth, um, you know, digital media planning and digital, uh, digital advertising and, you know, websites back when, you know, you built big, robust microsites. Oh, I've done those. And, yep. You know, and, and, you know, you invested significant amount of dollars in the latest and greatest tech for a, you know, massively heavy flash built website. <laughs> I remember that. Our second yeah, website was built in flash. Yeah. Lots of fun. And, you know, but uh, at the time, because we were digital, we typically would work in partnership with the brand agencies who had come up with the platform and were working more directly with the client. And so I thought, you know what, I, I want to be at the table for those conversations. I want to help shape the brand, not just make the digital extension of that, you know, uh, as, as best it can be. And so that's when I moved to, uh, at the time, it would have been BBDO, well, not at the time, it still is BBDO, but for me at the time, it was BBDO, was the move. Hmm. Um, and then that kind of started my path more into business leadership and strategy. So then I went to uh, FCB, um, again, always on the digital side of things. So again, that was, I was very helpful, you know, certainly being on the digital side, it was an expertise that not everybody had. Um, you know, as I was building my, my CV through experiences and not just, um, you know, account management, but sort of business leadership. And then at that point, there were no strategists really that, you know, certainly that lived in the digital space. So you wore all many hats. So, you know, at the time at FCB, I, 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 you know, risen to a business lead, which also meant a strategic lead, you know, and, and working in partnership with the creative leads. And so. It just got to a point where, you know, when the businesses were healthy and I was, you know, I was growing on target and I was making great relationships and so on and so forth, running teams, you know, it, it, at the time, just having the right conversations. And, and, and again, I, I'm appreciative of the opportunity to just focus more on strategy. So the, the idea was, you know, maybe let's divest yourself of some of those responsibilities like managing a business or hitting those numbers, or maybe you can just focus purely on strategy and building and growing brands. And so that was the beginning. And then I, I, you know, made, again, it was, uh, I, I very much believe in when you're moving, you know, in your career that you're very intentional as to why you're moving and that there's an objective that you can achieve as a result of moving. And so that the opportunity came to join Leo Burnett just, you know, just under 10 years ago. And uh, at the time I was happy. I was doing what I thought was great work and I and loved my, my colleagues. And it just, I remember just having this, you know, you and I talked about, you know, a little bit of that fear, a little bit of that. There was something inside of me that just said, you know, it, it, I was joining, it felt like I was joining like the A-list, 
you know, heavy hitters of, of advertising in Canada and North America, frankly. Um, and so I said, look, this is the this is the opportunity to you know really push yourself and see what you've got and what you're capable of. And and so I, that that was how I joined Leo. And I started in as again on the digital side of strategy. I joined the North American P and G team, which was massive at the time and kind of an agency onto its own within Leo. And had a great ride there. Then. And then from there, I started to add more responsibilities, not just digital strategy, but then brand strategy when my brand strategist partner left. And so I took on that role. And then I moved off of P&G into IKEA as the strategic lead, you know, partnering, of course, with my business lead and creative lead. And, and so that's kind of how it just developed, just a lot of just proving myself, proving that I could take on more responsibility, proving that I could add greater value beyond just the discipline of digital um, and, and, and fortunately that I had amazing people around me who believed in me and trusted in me and, and my mentor to this day, who, you know, is, continues to be somebody who, you know, I, I, you know, speak to on a regular basis was the person who saw in me perhaps maybe what I didn't even see in me at times and was like, no, there's more there. Let's keep nurturing it. Let's keep pulling it out. Um, and so, you know, again, over time, it just, again, I started to just find my own style and, you know, uh, continue to build that confidence to the point where I'm fortunate to be where I am today. Congratulations on the journey. It sounds like the advice that I picked off was, you know, brick by brick, step at a time, yep. embracing yeah, opportunities no that, sure. right? No shortcuts, embracing opportunities that, that come and nurturing relationships and, and, and kind of pushing yourself to, you know, get a mentor and, and and be okay when they serve you some stuff that you might be like uncomfortable with and then, and then take their advice basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. My one big lesson, don't ask for advice if you're not prepared to actually, you know, accept it and embrace it. And I, you know, my, my mentor's name is Brent and you know, the, uh, I always remind him of this story. It's not a long one, which is just, you know, again, like, pulling up to a, a Leo Burnett holiday party and literally as we're getting out, me turning to him, which again, it's kind of my fault, I suppose, at the circumstances and turning him and saying like, you know, like, do you think like I have what it's like, you know, again, I'm paraphrasing, but like, do you think I have what it takes to like, is this person believing me enough that like, we really think I can take this next step? And I'll never forget, he just turns to me, he's like, you know what? She's questioning it, but let's talk about it. Anyways, let's go. And like, we <laughs> into the Leo Burnett party and it's like, hey, everyone. I'm just like, I'm so rattled. And he just looked at me. He's like, what? I'm like, you realize you just basically cracked the foundation underneath my feet right now. Like, and he's like, well, you asked and I have a solution. So don't worry, get a drink, you know, and we'll figure this out. And, and we did. And so, you know, again, uh, you, you got to be prepared to take some of those. Uh, those, those, and again, they're, they're constructive in the moment they can feel like body blows. Absolutely. I mean, I, I coach, uh, folks in my agency and, and outside, uh, just, you know, within the industry itself, as well as some, some fledgling entrepreneurs. And, um, one of my rules is because I went through a coaching program and it's like, you got to be coachable, right? So you want to take this a coaching on, okay, you got to be coachable. Cause, cause you know, I'm not here to, you know, sell you, was it? puppy dogs and rainbows, right? Like I'm, I'm here to like help you mm -hmm. and I might give you some tough love and, yep. uh, you know, that's good. That's good that you, you've figured that out. Now I am mindful of time. 
and uh, wanted to just, you know, do a little fun rapid fire round that we typically do here at good old Marketing News Canada. So if, if you're good, I'm going to ask you a few things. Let's do it. Okay. So what is your favorite work from home uniform right now? You know what? I, I, I'm not that fun in that regard. I kind of dress the same way as I would if I'm going to the office. It's, you know, it's, it's a pair of jeans, sweater, as you can see. Are you wearing my... jeans at home? Are you really? Jeans, if I stand up. Oh man, he's standing up wearing jeans. Oh man, I've been I've been in shorts for since March of 2020, and and in our pre-call, I was telling I was telling to hear that I had my very first in-person client meeting last Friday. Uh, so you know, almost 21 months or something like that, and I had to wear. I actually asked the client like so. Uh, I've been wearing shorts this whole time. Like, is your client going to be okay if I wear pants? He's like, you should probably wear some pants, right? <laughs> so, hey, good on you. Um, yeah. You night owl, early bird? Uh, I'd say I'm a night owl. Um, but I know these are I know these are intended to be quick hit question and answer. It's more if it benefits anybody who's listening right now, which is just, you know, the idea that the reality of, of mental health as a result of COVID, I'm not going to go to a really serious dark place right now, Ted, these are meant to be fun. <laughs> but this, but, uh, so as a result of COVID of the holidays, it, it did trigger some, uh, some sleeplessness in me that I've had to sort of resolve by, you know, going at the core issues. So by asking me that question today, it's because I'm, I'm mindfully, you know, keeping a very, a very tight sleep schedule that has me staying up later and getting up earlier. Whereas right. normally I would just be kind of all over the place. So okay, my good. answer right now is I'm a night owl. All right. Uh, savory tooth, sweet tooth. Uh, I'm going to say savory. Do you have a favorite dish? You know what? Like I try to be really healthy, but I just can't say no to a good chip. Chip? I was thinking you were going to say like fried chicken or something. Chip? No, chips? No, no, no. Chips, like, you know, that's the hard one. because You have a flavor? Like, no. You have a flavor? You have a flavor? Sour uh, cream and onion or something like that? No, no, that's the worst. That's the worst. Uh, Come the on. Worst, onion. Yeah. No, I'm going to say uh, ketchup. Ah, true Canadian right there. Yeah. Um, what, what was your, we were talking about like, you know, impulse buys and all that kind of stuff, you know, Amazon. What was your yeah. last impulse buy that you just bought? So my pandemic purchase would be my uh, assault workout bike. You know that? No. So it's the one where it's all uh, air driven by your pedaling and then you're moving the handle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Assault air bike, I think is what it's assault called. Assault air bike. So you didn't go, you didn't hop on the Peloton bandwagon. No, that's why. Because it was like, you know what? I want it, to, it's, it's meant to sort of be shorter workouts, but very intense. I also didn't want to, the monthly yeah, to have a subscription, exactly. so I thought I'll get this one-time thing and I'll become an air assault bike master. And uh, you know, I mean, I used it and I used it again this past lock lockdown. So I'm, I'm not regretting the purchase, but it there's certainly it's not like I'm running down to it every day and, and getting on it because it's a, it's a bit of a an ass kicker. You haven't gone and started hanging laundry on it though yet. Uh, no, not yet. That would be a low point. That's good. Well, hey, well, there we go. Was all, like I said, <laughs> half glass full, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Any advice for those that are, you know, going the Tahir way of baby steps, you know, in their career? Any advice? Um, you know, I, I think it's it's so different for everybody. <clears throat> Excuse me. And 
I would just encourage people to, again, like not be afraid of hard work. I mean, I know I don't mean that in any condescending way. You know, I imagine everyone who works tries to work their hardest. But in a lot of ways, my <clears throat> excuse me, my success uh, is, is or, you know, again, the opportunity that's been provided to me in terms of the role I'm in and the path I've had uh, is a, in, in a large way a result of just putting my head down and just working and it not always being successful, but, you know, never losing sight of the fact that the only way to work out of things is through hard work and the only way to continue to do positive things is through hard work. So, you know, it's that the, the hard work and then I think just, you know, something that we really subscribe to at Leo and, you know, again, title the study, Humankind Study, is be a good human being. You know, um, when, you, when you actually just are, are a good person who treats others with respect and really, uh, you know, assumes positive intent and, and looks to support people in the right way and, and do the best work you can do with, you know, with respect um, and, and, again, the right attitude. I mean, you'll be amazed what comes back at you. Amen. I mean, I, uh, I'm a big Michael Franti fan and he's got an album called Work Hard and Be Nice. So mm, I think that's the motto that, uh, that you follow. So. Yeah. I mean, hey, to here. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate. It. I know you're a busy dude, but uh, it was really a yeah, uh, pleasure to to just chat with you and and learn a bit more about you and and the humankind approach. So, yeah. Um, if I yeah. could just throw out, Ted, um, just lastly, if anyone wants to actually download the study, yes, which I would encourage all of your listeners to do so. We tried to. Yes, it's ninety slides, but it's very headline driven, image driven, big stat. I think you'll get through it really fast. And, and I, I truly do believe it's a, it's a very insightful, informative read. I'm quite proud of it. Uh, just head to leoburnett.ca and it's right on our website. And uh, you can put in your email address. And we'll send you the PDF of the Humankind Study for free. That's great. Well, hey, thank you very much. I enjoyed uh, the talk thoroughly. And uh, so, yeah, thank you. And uh, thank you to all our listeners. Uh, my name is Ted. This is Tahir, and we're signing off on another great episode of Marketing News Canada. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.